Kidding. Hey, welcome. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. Uh, I am uh, I'm honored to be here, honestly. Uh, I love the beach. I feel like I fit in the best at the beach because I don't like to wear shoes. Um, and so I feel like I am, I'm at home. I'm not judged here uh, like I'm in Douglasville. Uh, and so... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Our church is great. I love Crossroads. I'm thankful that we've gotten to meet Daniel and hang out with him and his wife, Amanda, and their awesome kids last night, uh, swimming around a little bit, floating in a, a pool together and talking over Papa John's pizza. And uh, I just knew, I told Daniel this morning, I knew that God had intended us to be best friends when he said that um, that they still make their kids macaroni and cheese out of a, out of a box. And um, and I am a craft fan. I'm a craft. I'm an avid craft fan. Spirals are the best mac and cheese. If you're not eating the spirals mac and cheese, you're not eating mac and cheese at all. It's the best in the business. So, um, but anyways, you're not here for the mac and cheese talk this morning. That's this afternoon. If you want to stay afterwards, we're doing a whole session on it. Um, now we said that because we we're eating Miss Bunny's mac and cheese, and we we're talking about how incredible that was. And my kids are very like. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're spirals fans, and so it was tough to get them to eat that, but I ate all of it, so it's fun. Uh, so I, I want to share a little bit with you guys. This is a, a message that I, I've never preached before, uh, but, but I, I kind of went through some things this past week. As Daniel was asking, I said, hey man, what do you want me to talk about? And he's like, I don't know, whatever, whatever you want to, uh, which is dangerous to ask somebody to, uh, that's coming in to speak. You know, you never know what you're going to get. And, and so I just kind of, uh, uh, I, I've been on this pursuit over the last decade um, and to find a particular person. Uh, when I became a believer, I became a believer on, on July 31st, 2001. I remember that moment for a specific reason. I'll tell you why um, today. But, but I remember in that moment, I just could never remember who the guy speaking was. And it's totally fine if after today you never remember my name. That's not my point today. The point of today is that you walk out of here closer to Jesus. That's what I hope at the end of it all. Um, and this guy, I mean, he never, uh, I mean, he spoke to thousands of people, apparently. I, 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 you know, for me, he was just the, the camp pastor that week. And he preached uh, a, a similar, not this passage, but the, the points I'm going to make today. And it revolutionized my personal spiritual walk. And, and I hope it does the same for you today. Not because of any wisdom or, or anything that I have, but because of the word of God is so powerful and a reminder to us that God wants us to be close to him. And he wants us to draw near to him. Um, and I think sometimes we have this perception of God in, in one of two ways. Uh, one, that God only wants our small stuff. Like, hey, God, like, help me get an A on this test. You know, like, help me kind of get this job. And those things are fine. Uh, and the, or we had the opposite view of God. Um, that we only want God to do the big things. Like, hey, God, I have this really terrible diagnosis. I need you to heal me. Or, or hey, God, I have this really big catastrophe that's happened in my life. I need you to heal my marriage or fix my whatever. And, and I think at the end of the day, I think what God wants us to hear is that uh, he sits in the middle. Like, he, he, doesn't, he can be both of those things. He can help you get the A on the test, I guess, if you study, um, right? He's, he's not a God of those kind of miracles. But, uh, or he, he, could, he could bring complete and total healing. But at the end of the day, from Monday to, to Sunday, he equally wants to be the God of friendship. He wants to be the God of relationship. He wants to be the God that you go to Starbucks with and read the word together and talk because God speaks the clearest to us in our time together with him, just like our friends do. And so I, I remember growing up, I, I have a brother and two sisters. I'm going to move this. I like to walk, and so I'm going to move this back a little bit. But I have a, a brother and two sisters. My brother's 22 months older than me. My sisters are nine and 14 years older than me. So they weren't really my friends growing up. My brother and I were all, we were homeschooled. So we were the only friends we had for a season of life until we went to real school uh, my, my freshman year in high school. 
And so we used to go outside and, you know, PE time was just go outside. We're going to lock the door and go stare at the sun for a while, right? And so it was fine. It was great. And we didn't have iPads and stuff like that growing up. I was, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 36 and so I'm 36 in October. So, so we, we watched the internet come into play. Like we, I didn't have the hour. I said, ding, ding, ding. Remember that internet? That's what I grew up on. And so Wi-Fi is an anomaly to me. It's beautiful and I love it. But we went outside and we we're playing this game called hide and seek. I don't know if any of the, the young kids in the room know what that is, but for us older people, we, we used to play hide and seek back in the day. It's, uh, it's fun. You know, somebody would hide and then you go seek them. So I had this really great hiding spot and I was really excited about it. My brother's like, all right, your turn to hide, which, you know, is always the favorite. You always want to be the hider, right? You never want to be the seeker. And so we, uh, we, I went and I hid in my spot and I felt really good about it. And I was like, he's never going to find me. And I like, I didn't hear him. I didn't even see him come close to where I was hiding. I was like, I've nailed it. I found the perfect spot. And there was a, a certain moment where I was kind of going like, I don't, I don't know if he's still outside anymore right now. Because <laughs> I had been there for a minute. I, I mean, I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was that good. And so I'm going like, I'm going to get out of my hiding spot and I'm going to go, and he, I walked inside and he was standing there eating. And I'm, I'm, uh, I was like, you what's happening? Like, we were, we were, he's like, yeah, I just didn't want to play anymore. <laughs> you didn't think to like, yell that out loud. No, I, just, I got hungry and I uh, came inside and ate. Here's the thing. I didn't realize in that moment that I was no longer in the presence of my brother. There was this moment of slow drift and fade where I didn't really realize it until I realized it. And I was like, oh, no. I'm not close to him anymore. I think if we're honest with ourselves for a moment, some of us would have to agree that that's been the course of our lives. It's never this like immediate like, oh no, we're, we're not close to God anymore. There's this kind of slow fade. Some things maybe happen or some things maybe get busy or life kind of comes at you and you just kind of get to this point in life where you're like, well, I'm not really close to God anymore. I can't figure out why. I can't put my finger on what's happening. But at some level, I've lost that closeness that I once had. That was the story of that moment for me. And I think it's true for us as well. I want to, if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to flip to Joshua chapter 5. And I want to share with you a little bit of a moment in Joshua's life where that exact thing happened. See, this, this message for me uh, is a reminder for me consistently. So I, I speak without shoes. Um, uh, it doesn't matter where I'm at, not, not just at the beach. Um, and I do it for this reason in particular, that um, I fully believe that any time that we're, we're praying or worshiping, any of those moments, that we stand in the presence of God, that he is here. He's in the, the midst of us. And I think sometimes we're, we're hoping like, God, show up. And God's going, but I'm here. He's, he's, he's among us. He's with us. He's, he's promised us in scripture to never leave us or forsake us. Like he, he, he never went anywhere. We've gone somewhere. And so we had to journey back, but, but he's never departed. He's right where we left him. And so for, for us, I looked at this, this passage, and this was a moment. I want to share with you why I, I do that. And this is, this is a question I've, I've often asked myself. is like, how do you know? Like, what is that moment when you know you're in the presence of God? Like, you've ever had that moment where you're just like, man, something's different in this room. Maybe you walked into the bridge, you know, one Sunday morning, you're like, something's different here. I can't figure out, I can't put my finger on it, but something's different. And I think if we were honest and we looked back at it, you'd go, man, I, I could feel the presence of God here. That's the difference. When you walk into an environment, you're like, man, something, something here just, it draws me in. That's the presence of God drawing you in. 
And so let me share a little bit of what's happening here. So Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 says that when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. And Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you a friend or foe? So a little bit of context. Let me help uh, kind of understand where we're at. So Joshua at this point in the story has, has taken over leadership from this guy named Moses. It's a pretty big deal. Wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, written by Moses. Received the Ten Commandments from the Lord on the, on the mountaintop. He did a lot of cool things. Parted the waters and did a whole bunch of incredible plagues uh, based as the Lord had told him to do. So it really had a pretty incredible life. And then you know, God had to raise up a successor because we don't live forever. And, and, and God raised up Joshua to be that successor. And so Joshua is basically leading out of Moses's incredible moment. And the, the cool thing here is that God knew that Moses was going to struggle with doubt. So the very first chapter in Joshua is just going, God just going, hey, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Like, don't fear. Strong and courageous, strong and courageous. And, and you're wondering like, man, God, I think he gets it, but he doesn't. Because here, same thing happens. Joshua sees somebody and immediately in fear mode, right? Because he's about to go into battle. He allows the mind of his flesh to go, I had to fight. I had to immediately try to take this person down. Why? Because there's moments in our lives where we're chasing after things that we get so separated from the presence of God that we miss it when the presence of God is literally showing up to remind us, hey, I'm with you. I'm fighting for you. We can't see it because we've been blockaded by everything else around us. We have barriers to that knowledge. And so we, we have to remove those barriers. And that's what happens here. He's, he's about to go to war. He's on edge. He's at Jericho. They're about to go to take the land. And he looks up and he sees a guy standing with a sword in hand. And he looks up and he goes, are you with me or are you against me? My friend, are you my enemy? Because wh whatever you say next is going to determine what happens right now. And I love verse 14. He says, neither one. I am the commander of the Lord's army. So I'm going to get a little nerdy with y'all if I can, if that's, if that's okay. I love this passage so much. I actually wanted to do my, my dissertation work on it. That's how much I love this passage. This particular comment right here, I'm the commander of the Lord's army, uh, flabbergasted me for years. Like, who is that? Who is the commander of the Lord? Is this like a, a really great angel? Is this somebody uh, just super, super fun in heaven? No, I, I'm going to make the argument this morning. This is, this is really significant. That this is actually uh, Jesus showing up on the scene prior to Jesus showing up on the scene. Let me tell you, I'm not building that out on my own intelligence. Let me just tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to only, only bring you that intelligence based on what Scripture tells us. One, we see the commander of the Lord's army show up, I think, twice in, in Scripture in the Old Testament. Both of those times, they're leading them into battle. Commander of the Lord's army shows up. They go into battle. On both those instances, there's this moment of reverence and worship that happens. Now, if that's an angel, if that's anything other than God, they're receiving worship that is not theirs. They should be like, whoa, whoa, whoa it's, it's fine, stand up. They don't. They, they receive that word. Why? Because I believe that this is literally God showing up. Now, let me, let me tell you how I've kind of come to this conclusion. In, in Revelation Chapter 19, which is the end of the book. So where everything's kind of coming to the climax. In Revelation 19, this is what happens. Check this out. Verse, uh, verse 13. Uh, so a little bit of context here. Uh, just so you understand, there's a uh, heavens opening up and this white horse is coming down. The rider that's coming down is named Faithful and True um, and all this stuff. So he comes down in verse 13. Check this out. He wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was the word of God. So again, we're going to build context back. If you go all the way back to John, again, I t promise you this is a nerdy track, so you got to stick with me for a second. If you go all the way back to John chapter 1, verse 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus typically called the Word of God, the Word in flesh that's come 
to earth. And so he wore a robe dipped in blood, similar to Jesus, who would have bled for us. His title was the Word of God. And then the armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. So here's my argument. I would say this. If you continue to read through, it only makes it stronger. That when Jesus shows up, he's showing up for a very specific reason in this moment, to remind Joshua, hey, God is with you. God is fighting for you, and God is on your side. And in this moment, Joshua's response says, at this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. Some of your translations might say in worship. I'm at your command. Do what you want to do. Now remember, Joshua's at the peak of leadership in this moment. And his posture is humility. It's servanthood. What can I do? How can I best serve? I mean, you have the, the, the top level leader of your organization comes to your office tomorrow morning and says, what can I do to serve you? You would think a little differently about that leader. You would go, huh. All right, this guy's got it. He understands. This is humility at its finest. One of the things Daniel and I served under uh, Pastor Greg, uh, as, a, as a leader, he'll always tell us as a staff this, that this, it's the speed of leader, speed of the team. The team will follow the example set by the leadership before them. And so you model and exemplify servanthood above all else, and your team will follow suit. But you have to model it first. You don't demand it. You, you example it. You exemplify it. And so he says, I'm at your command. What can I do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Another reason why I believe this is God in flesh coming to Joshua and having this conversation is because there's no one holy but God. I've wrestled for years. When When I started teaching without shoes on, I really had to figure out in my brain why in the world would Wade Morris, as a guy who is a really big influence in my life, why would Wade stand up on the stage and preach without shoes? Didn't matter where he went. He would always take off his shoes, stand up on stage and preach. Why would Wade do that? And this was his explanation. In Exodus chapter 3, you have, Jesus, have Moses at the burning bush. And at the burning bush, God tells him to take off his shoes. The ground on which he's standing on is holy ground. Here in Joshua chapter 5, you have the same exact thing happening. God is standing before Joshua and tells him to take off his shoes. The ground on which he's standing on is holy ground. You see how my arguments kind of all coming together, right? I told you we we're going to get nerdy today, so just stay with me, okay? In this moment, Joshua's standing in the presence of God, and he removes his sandals as God has told him to do. So, so do I. When I stand on the stage, when I, when I sing, when I pray, it doesn't matter. I remove my shoes because I believe that we are in the presence of God. It doesn't matter if I'm sitting in my house or I'm in church. Church is not, it's not the only place where the presence of God is. Sometimes we can come in and go, oh, man, all right, now I feel like God's here. But he's in your car, too. You turn on some music, he's in your car. He's in your prayer closet. He's at your dinner table. He's watching you with TV. He's sitting next to you watching what you're watching. At the end of the day, the presence of God, if we believe it's true that God is with us, the presence of God is with us at every facet, every walk of our lives. He's there. He's with us. He's for us. And so we see that happening right here. So I want to I give us a little bit of a, I don't know, maybe a, a little bit of a call to action if I can this morning. Some things that I want to draw particularly out of this. One, I, I, I think uh, we get caught up chasing the, uh, the, extraordinary, the extraordinary moments in our spiritual life. And we want those spiritual highs. And I want to encourage you this morning to stop chasing the extraordinary and live in the ordinary. I think oftentimes we can get so caught up chasing the, the big moments of God that we miss when he's right there with us. I'll give a perfect example. 
Um, we have a, a little bit about me. I have a six-month-old uh, daughter. She's great. I have a seven-year-old daughter who is great. And I have an 11-year-old son who I just need y'all to pray for, okay? <laughs> I know y'all thought I was going to say great, but he's not. All right. He's fun. I love him. He's my firstborn. He is what he is. So my six-month-old was very sick uh, the, the past week. And uh, my wife it was her primary character. She always is. Whenever the kids get sick, they always want their mom, right? So uh, in our house, that's kind of what happens. I'm not, a, I'm not a super like, come here. Like, I want to hold you. Like, I'm like, hey, you should probably go somewhere else or get over it. Here's some Motrin. You'll be fine. All right? That doesn't work for a six-month-old. It's fine. So, uh, so Renee was really like their primary caretaker, her, her primary caretaker this week. I could, in my brain, right, I'm holding my daughter when she's sick, and I'm going, God, just heal her. Just bring healing right now. Bring the extraordinary moment right now where I get to go and like, look, ta-da, like the Simba moment, like, da-da. like she's healed. She's great. Look at her go. And Renee lived in the ordinary. She just prayed, God, give me the strength to get up with her when I don't want to. There's a difference in what you're chasing. I chase the extraordinary moment of God's full-blown healing so that I don't have to deal with it anymore, right? My heart's not in the right place in that moment. Renee's praying, just give me the strength to take care of her today, take care of her tomorrow, take care of her when I don't want to, when I don't want to get up with her in the middle of the night. Like, give me that strength. When we chase the ordinary, when we live in the ordinary, the power of God streams through us in ways that we, we now are visible to. That has been happening up to this point. We've just missed it because we're in relationship. Now we're shifting our perspective. I talk about this all the time with our kids, shifting perspective. So the second thing is this, that we should communicate with God consistently. Think about if Joshua was communicating with God more than he was communicating with his generals in this moment. What, what maybe different perspective would he have had when a guy shows up? Like, hey, wait, are you, are you from the Lord? And in this moment, he's only thinking, should I kill you or should I let you live? Right? His perspective is off. But when he, if you're communicating consistently with somebody, communicating constantly with somebody, you garner that trust, you build that relationship. You know, you think the best of that person. You no longer go, ah, they had it out for me the whole time. They're awful, miserable people. But now like, hey, I wonder if he just messed up in that text. I wonder if they're like an autocorrect and he didn't actually mean to say what he said. When we have a relationship with somebody, we garner that trust a little bit differently. I'll give you a perfect example. My son, I love my son. Like I said, he's just in that phase right now where I'm just praying for him consistently. And uh, we were in the car the day and he got in trouble because that's what he does. And uh, he said as much. He said, all I ever do is get in trouble. Just get in trouble, and that's it. You just always want to punish me. I was like, I do not want. I have zero desire to punish you, but you do always get in trouble. And uh, I wonder why. Let's 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 debrief why. He's like, well, all I ever do, all you ever do is yell at me. You just yell at me, yell at me, yell at me. I'm like, first of all, this is pretty much my yelling tone with you right now, unless you're just being a complete idiot and I have to yell. But typically, this is my disciplinary tone. Hey, buddy, you made a bad choice. We're gonna talk about it. You raise your voice. I'm gonna keep you right here. I had a great psychologist tell me that the best way to discipline kids, they're going to go to zone red, you need to bring them back to yellow. And the way you bring them back to yellow is you just keep them right here. Hey, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to meet you there. Because if I meet you there, then I'm going to get there, and I promise you it's not going to end well. I've gotten to red before. It doesn't end well. So we're going to, so we're going to stay at yellow and work our way back to green. That's what we're going to do. So, so when you're up here, I'm not going to yell back at you. I'm going to go, you should probably go to your room before I do something I don't want to do, right? 
So in that moment, he's, he's in the car, and he's in the front seat. Well, I'm talking to you, my wife is driving, and I'm back with the baby and, and my daughter. And so he's all over. I was like, hold on. I was like, when's the last time you got in trouble? Yesterday. Okay, what'd you do? I did this. Okay, did you get in trouble on Tuesday? I, I don't think so. Okay, let's talk about Tuesday for a second. What was different? What did you do differently on Tuesday that you didn't do today or yesterday? And so we began to kind of debrief. Let's walk through your day. Let's go from beginning to end. Perspective shifting. And he said, I said, what, what about your Bible? When's the last time you read your Bible? Like, when's the last time you just say, you know, you tell me you're a Christian, so you should be spending time with God. So when's the last time you did that? Tuesday. Oh, that's perspective shift. So Tuesday, you spent time with the Lord and you didn't get in trouble. You had a different attitude. You had a different perspective. You're giving more grace because you were in communication with, with the Lord. Wednesday and Thursday, you disconnected from God and your attitude shifted. It became negative. It became toxic. So let's just perspective shift for a second. What do you think was the game changer for you? Do you think it was just because we wanted to yell at you? Or do you think it was because you were in the presence of God? Which one? Now, I'm not going to act like every conversation with my kid is this spiritual, okay? It's not. Please don't put that banner on me. I'm not. But this one was because I was just in my brain going... For me personally, just personally, I am a different person when I spend time in the presence of God than when I'm not. I'm a different parent. I'm a different husband. I'm a different son to my parents. I'm a different sibling. When I'm spending time with God, when I'm in his presence versus when I'm trying to do it on my own strength, wisdom, power, knowledge, I'm a different human being altogether because I'm not acting in the power of my own strength, wisdom, and knowledge. I'm acting in the power of God's spirit living through me. It's different. It's perspective shifting. And so for me, I have to be willing and mindful that I have to constantly be in communication with God. I have to constantly be willing to listen, to hear, to understand, even in the moments where I just be silent and listen. I think sometimes we want God to speak directly back to us like our best friend would, and sometimes he does, but sometimes we look for it in our prayer life and not in here. And sometimes if we were to just crack the book, I bet if we would just crack the book that God would immediately speak to you and go, oh man, I've been missing it up until this moment right here, right now. And this is what he does. So he teaches us. I, I am fully convinced, fully convinced. I've said this from the, from the stage in Douglasville. I'm unashamed when it comes to this. I'm fully convinced that our marriages are falling apart for a very specific reason. Uh, I would give us two. Number one, our communication with the Lord. Marriage was never, I think, uh, marriage in our brains was intended to be the, the spouse that we want to be with the rest of our lives. They make us happy, and we're going to laugh together, and we're going to have a great time, just like they do in the movies. And I just, I think then we get to reality, and we're like, that person is weird, and they take weird bathroom breaks, and they don't, they don't clean up after themselves, or they don't eat the same way I want to eat, or they don't, you know, whatever. They don't eat boxed macaroni and cheese, right? I want to do the, I want to press my own noodles. And you're like, ugh, okay, who are you, and why did I marry you, right? So when you get like in a reality of marriage, you're like, oh, okay, this was different. This was weird. So one, I think it's the ability to, to have realistic perspective, right? This communication uh, with the Father, because it was always intended to be a pyramid. Uh, the, the only pyramid scheme I'd encourage you to jump in on is, is marriage, right? Because here's what I tell people. If you are constantly chasing after Jesus, guess what's going to happen? Like you're not going to be concerned about, I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get the way I wanted it. I didn't do the thing. You're going to constantly be focused here, and God's going to open up your mind to go, this is what my, my spouse needs. And so we have to consistently chase Jesus. He opens up our eyes to see what our spouse needs. And now we meet at the pinnacle of our relationship with the Lord, not at the pinnacle of our happiness with each other. One of the greatest 
uh, one of the greatest quotes that revolutionized my marriage. I'm, I'm, I'll just be really honest with you guys. I've said this before. I'm, I'm not worried. My wife knows this all too well. We were, we had our son 11 months, not 11 months. I'm sorry. Let me think. 13 months after we were married. 13 months. We got pregnant four months into our marriage. We had Aiden a month, almost to the day of our wedding day, Aiden was born. And we had no idea what we were doing. We ended up in marriage counseling. Uh, by God's grace, we, went, we, we uh, accepted a job at a church. Their first requirement was that that staff member had to take their spouse and go to, pre, to, go to marriage counseling, three sessions for free on the church. We ended up there for six months, every week for six months, yelling, screaming, crying, fighting, doing it all. It was amazing. We got to the end of it, uh, and I realized something really important. This is, this is a game-changing moment for those of you in the room who are married and thinking about it. Uh, marriage oftentimes is p- positioned as a moment of happiness, and it, can, it will be happy. There will be moments of happiness. But this is what I tell spouses when I do premarital counseling. I'm doing premarital counseling. I'm marrying somebody this Saturday. Here's what I tell them. Uh, you are not intended to keep each other happy. It's not your job. Happiness is fleeting. It'll go away. Your job is holiness. So I only will marry you if you can tell me right now you're driving each other closer to Jesus. If you're not, don't get married. It's not worth it. It's not worth the fight. It's an expensive breakup at that point, and it's not worth it. So I, whenever people come in, I'm bringing this all full circle, whenever people come in and sit at my table and they go, we want to get divorced. We, we don't understand it. We don't like each other. We don't want to da 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 Nine times out of ten, this is, if you read the statistics, here's what it'll tell you. That people divorce because of differences in finances, differences in parenting, differences in, uh, in what happens in the bedroom. All of those things probably, sure, those are all factors. But at the end of the day, guess what all those things come back to? Communication. I'm fully convinced that churches are doing a terrible job of helping people communicate first with the Father and secondly with one another. And I'm convinced that every marriage that's come through my doors at least, when I sit down and go, you don't disagree about finances, you disagree about how you communicate about finances. You're not communicating well because one of you has this perspective and one of you has this perspective, but you don't, another one of you are bringing the godly perspective to the table. And so when we learn how to communicate with one another, all of us communicate different. I could do a whole nerdy talk on, on that side of things, but I won't. If you want that conversation, I'll happily have it with you. But at the end of the day, I'm fully convinced if we were willing to learn each other and learn how each other receives information, that our communication would shift and change and be different. So for a lot of us in the room, that's a game-changing moment for us. But we had to start at the foundation. It doesn't start with each other. It starts with the Father. We had to be tethered and connected there first. And then out of that comes our health. Anything else is going to fall short. You do not have the strength or the power or the wisdom to overcome that which God needs to give you freedom and overcome from. So, so that's what I would say. Constantly be in communication with God. And then lastly, I would just say this, that you have to remember his promises. So Joshua had to be reminded, hey, I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm fighting with you. How do we remember God's promises? We remember his promises by time spent with him. How do we do that? I want to share with you uh, a really easy way. I'm a firm believer in not overcomplicating the simple. 
Okay? I think sometimes try to overcomplicate what prayer looks like, try to overcomplicate what spiritual life looks like. I just want to, I want to simplify something for you. The reason why Wade has such an impact in my life, this is why. Because Wade was the one who led me to Christ. But Wade didn't actually preach on stage and give me a gospel presentation and like, here's the five points you need to remember. Come down front, lift your hands, cry real tears. Like, I'm just not that guy. I'm not the guy who does that. I'm not the guy who comes and cries and, and, and weeps. That's just not who I am. It's a person. It's not how I'm wired up. I'm a very different person. But I am wired up in understanding intentionality. And this is what Wade, this is how Wade revolutionized my thinking. And I want to help you maybe this morning revolutionize your thinking for a second. This is what he said. He said, hey man, listen, when you get, uh, when you, not personally, he was from the stage. He said, hey, when you get back to your room tonight, we were at a college dorm. When you get back to your room tonight, tell your roommate to get out of your room and give you 30 minutes. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn off all the lights. I want you to set up two chairs directly across from each other. I think sometimes we have a challenge in talking to God because we don't have the perspective that he's there. And so he said, set up two chairs kind of across from each other like this, and then I want you just to talk to him. That's going to feel weird, right? It's going to feel weird because there's nobody there, but he's there. Our perspective has to change to understand that the presence of God is with us. And so he said, set up a two chairs across from each other, turn off all the lights, and just talk to God and tell him what's going on in your world. Tell him what's happening. Tell him where you're struggling. Tell him where you're broken. Talk to God as though your best friend was sitting across the seat from you. And when you do that, when you truly sit with the Lord in that way, your mind opens up to realize, hey, God does want to be with me. Like, he does want to have a relationship with me. And God does. Like each and every one of you in the room this morning, let me just be really clear. God desires relationship with you. Not just an interchange of goods, but a genuine friendship with you to go, hey, hey God, I'm really struggling to understand this right now. I need you to help me understand it. I'm, under, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to understand this diagnosis right now. I'm struggling to understand why this job didn't work out. I'm struggling to understand why my kids are acting the way they're acting. I'm struggling to understand why my spouse is acting the way they're acting. I'm struggling to understand why school was so hard. I'm struggling to understand why I'm challenged in every walk of life and why I can't just find rest in a season. And we can just sit down and get real with God and then just sit. Like say, blurt it all out. Get it all out in the air and then just sit. And let the arms of God comfort you. The peace of just saying it out loud. I'm a firm believer in this. The reason why we battle our demons is because we don't rebuke them out loud. There's power in, there's, there's a reason why James says the tongue is the most powerful tool that the Lord has given us. The power to give life, the power to take life. And I firmly believe that the same spirit that lived inside of Jesus, the same spirit that lived inside of the 12 disciples, the same spirit that lived inside of Paul who started hundreds of churches and, and had a massive impact, that same spirit is active and living inside of each and every one of us as believers. And we have the power to rebuke the attack of the enemy in our lives. The problem is sometimes you just go, Amen. And there's power in the vocal word going, I do not receive your attack today. I, I claim, I, I love, Miss Bunny was telling me the other day, we were sitting in the pool. She said, every morning I stand up and I, I don't know if you know, this may not be public knowledge, it's fine. But if you ever want to see Miss if you ever want to do, you should drive by and see her do it. I think it's great. She said she walked outside every morning and she verbally praised the armor of God over her and her husband every single day. Why? Because there's power in the words. 
There's power in going, God, I need your strength, your power, your wisdom, your insight. I need all of that in my life. I need your patience that passes all understanding. I need your comfort and your grace. I am not naturally empathetic. So God, I need you to make me empathetic so my heart breaks for the things that break your heart. But there's power in vocal speaking it out loud. There's some semblance of, of fear and trepidation of like, but what if somebody hears me? Great. Let them come alongside of you and walk along. There's power and accountability. Some of us are still battling our demons because we're not willing to claim the fact that they're actually attacking us. We're just trying to muster up enough strength to just overcome them. And God is calling you today to call it out by name and to find healing today, to find peace today, to find rest today from the battle that you are waging inside of your own mind. And God is saying, just call out to me. And some of us this morning are just like Joshua. We're going, are you friend or are you enemy, God? You tell me. God's going, I've always been a friend. And today, I want you to focus more in on the spiritual preparation, the spiritual battle, than on the fleshly concerns you might have. Recognizing that our, our battle is not in flesh and blood, but it is in spiritual realm. And we have an enemy who is coming after you. He does not take vacations like we do. He comes after us. He comes after our kids. He comes after our families. He comes after our relationships. He comes after our friends. And I just want to encourage you today, whatever barrier it is that's breaking you down from taking that next step, maybe today you're like, I don't want to step out and say I want to be baptized because I'm afraid of what somebody might think. Afraid of what someone might do. I don't, I don't want to step out and say, hey, I need a relationship with Jesus because what, what would they think about me? I've been here for a year and I've claimed it, but I've, I've never really had it. I don't know what it looks like. I'm just trying to fake it until I make it. And today the Lord's going, no, like come out of that grave. Stop living in the slumber, in the, in the hidden dark places. Come out into the light and allow healing to happen. For some of us, we've been battling silent battles for so long that today is the day of healing, where you claim victory over it in the power of God, not in yourself anymore. Not in your self-help guru manuals or anything else, but in the power of God. One of my favorite passages in all Scripture is, is Acts 4. Acts 4, 12. I love this passage. I think we have it up. Do we have it up? I don't remember if I put it in there or not. I'll find it. Oh, yeah, here we go. This is what it says. 413, I'm sorry. It says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. I remember, Peter and John had zero spiritual training. They just followed Jesus. That's it. They saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. This is my favorite part. This gives us the, the wisdom, the boldness, the courage that you need today to step out. Here's the deal. Ready? They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They recognized them as people who have been with Jesus. I just want to encourage you today, as you walk into the restaurants you're going to go eat at, as you walk into your houses today, shepherd your children, as you shepherd your spouses, can they tell that you've been with Jesus? Can they see that in you? We have to stop chasing the extraordinary moments in life and live in the ordinary. Communicate consistently with God and remember his promises. And the way we do that is we draw close to him.
The way I do that physically is removing my sandals as a reminder that the presence of God is here. It's a mode of reverence and respect. That God, you be here, not me. Whatever that is for you. Maybe it's setting up a room, setting up a time, setting up a schedule, doing whatever it is. Find the moment. How do you get to draw close to God? It's a privilege to talk to your creator. We get the opportunity to have that conversation, that relationship. So let me pray for us. Jesus, Jesus, thank you so much for your grace in our lives, for your understanding of our chaos, for your understanding of the difficulties in our lives. God, that you, you were one who... Um, who lived just like we did, but without sin. You faced the battles and the temptations and the difficulties and the challenges and yet were without sin. And so because of that, because you were willing to suffer and die on our behalf, you have made a way for us to have a relationship with you. And so Jesus, I pray, I pray over this church this morning, God, that you would draw us close to you. God, for those who maybe have wandered away or or stumbled away, God, I pray that you would draw them back in this morning. I pray, God, for the, the marriages, for the parenting, for, God, for the jobs, for the, the struggles in school. God, for whatever is, is attacking, I pray, God, that we would speak it this morning. God, that you would bring healing today, that you would bring freedom today, that you would bring your spirit in a mighty and a powerful way, that we would know that when we left here that we have been with you and that as we walk into the places we walk into today, that, God, they would know, wow, that, something's different about them. They've, they've been with Jesus. I pray, God, for that boldness in our lives today. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.